Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking broadcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What's going on, Omaha? What's going on, my man? You doing all right? What's going on out there in Nebraska? It's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all good out here, man. It's all good in the hood, man. Beautiful weather, man. It's, it's really mild for this time of year, and, man, we're enjoying it. So how about where, how about where you are, man, out there yeah. in Atlanta, A-Town? I was saying the same thing, man. You know, I'm a I'm an early guy. You guys give me a lot of grief about the fact that I go to bed so early, but mm-hmm. I'm just a natural morning person, man. I'm usually up by three thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. every morning. So, and I'm usually out the door on the way to work uh, by six six fifteen, and walk outside. You know, walk out of the garage, pulling the car out of the garage this morning. I was like, wow, man, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of cool this morning, man. No yeah. humidity, yeah. and I was like, wow, I was starting to see. My favorite time of the year on the horizon, bro. Right, fall, right. fall, right. Fall is I'm, my I'm, favorite time of the year, man. I'm right behind you, man. I really, I'm looking forward to fall, man. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do the, do the Daryl Harrison, man. I, I, I don't know about no three o'clock or three thirty, but uh, <laughs> that's a little early for me. But I'm trying to get up a little earlier, trying to start doing some, some exercising, man. Trying to, trying to get healthy, trying to watch my weight, trying to do some different things, man, and. And, uh, but, but yeah, man, I'm again, just getting up earlier, exercising, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm, and, I'm proud of you for doing that, man. I saw, I saw you hit, uh, you hit up our boy Dwayne earlier today on Facebook, yeah. man, to kind of gave that tip. So you're trying to lose some weight, man. You've lost 25 pounds. You say you're trying to lose 25 more. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm proud of you, man. You know, that's great. You know, I have a, um, I have an incline treadmill myself and, uh, I haven't been able to get on it lately because I'm battling a little bit of tendonitis in my left foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm usually on that thing every day. And I love that it's a it's an incline treadmill. So it's fixed at a 10 degree uh, incline and you can put it up to 20 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I try to get on that thing, man, every day uh, when I'm, you know, once my foot heals up a little bit, I'll be able to get back on it, man. But. Hey man, I'm with you, man. As far as the the, the weight loss goes, and uh, which is which is for me uh, something that became very significant in my life uh, when my father passed away of a heart attack a few years ago. Oh, wow! Uh, you know he uh, he you know his him in, in that generation. You know they really didn't eat well. You know there there were no really uh, dietary guidelines. You know my mom, bless her heart, she's still living, but my mom she cooked for us whatever my dad liked to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, and I don't want to get back on this, this, this subject, man, because we knew how that went, but you know, that's, that's why I don't eat soul food to this day. I right, just, right, right. You know, and, uh, but yeah, man. So all that to say, man, God bless you, man, for wanting to take better care of yourself, man. I, I think that's a, that's an admirable goal, man. And I hope you, uh, what's your target, man, for, for, uh, hitting your 25 pounds. Man, I'm. I, I think if, if I can drop another 25, man, before, before winter hits, you know, late November time frame before Thanksgiving time frame, man, which is a, which is a, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty 
um, you know, aggressive goal. If I can get there, man, I can I can get into that those winter months where where things kind of slow down. I'll, I'll be okay. Time will tell. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see if my body can get get down that far. Time will yeah, tell. Yeah, just we'll take see. your time, man. Just take we'll, your time. We'll, we'll see what happens. So all right. it's all good. Hey, I, I was I was, I want to mention two things real quick, and I know we got a lot of stuff we want to run into. One is and and, and I and I say this because I know you won't mention it. One is be uh, man, I loved the interview you had. Uh, uh, that I listened to this morning on theology driven man. It was it was a uh, they 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 had a nickname for you man. Dangerous <laughs> Daryl Harrison man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so any for anyone who is uh, on Twitter or Facebook, look up theology driven. That's mm. exactly what it's called. It's called theology driven podcast. And uh, yeah, so we were on. I was on with those brothers last week, and uh, that's actually our second attempt at it we were we were uh we did an interview a few weeks ago but we had some technical difficulties with it so we rescheduled it for last week and on that interview uh if you're going to follow theology driven uh and i believe i also have the link to that uh interview on my facebook page uh so go check that out and i tell the story of how uh the nickname dangerous daryl harrison that story came about yeah uh it wasn't you know I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't uh, doing anything I thought <laughs> to earn it. Right. But uh, it's a really funny story that's really not so funny because Virgil and I know, man, being, being uh, black men who are conservative in our sociopolitical, fiscal yep. uh, ideology, yep. we get called all kind of names. Absolutely. Uh, so so check out Theology Driven and uh, and chime in on the interview that I had with these brothers where I tell the story about how that nickname came to be. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and it's an interesting, some interesting background about how I was, uh, tagged with that nickname. Great interview. Great. Encourage folks to check that out. Second thing, I'll mention it quickly. And then I know we've got to move. And that's something that really blessed me this weekend, man. And it was something you wrote. I tell people, man, you, uh, definitely a beast on the microphone. Love doing the show with you. But man, what you do with the pen and 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 just your writing, man, it's just off the chain. And uh, really blessed me this weekend was was a a piece you wrote uh, that was uh, the most dangerous prayer a Christian can pray. And I, I don't know if that's a recent one or one that you had written a while back. I, I couldn't really tell. Uh, but man, it really really blessed my world. And uh, I, I I I've gone back to that two or three different times and just reread that and really considered. Uh, just praying through that process, man. Can can you tell 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 the folks who are listening a little bit about that piece? Yeah, so that piece is one that I wrote a few months back, um, and it came to me uh, f- through my own personal Bible study, where I was uh, reading through Psalm twenty six at the time. Matter of fact, I was reading through Psalms twenty six again on yesterday, and particularly verse two in Psalm twenty six that reads in the NASB. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. And I remember, the, uh, you know, when I read that passage, uh, uh, that text a, a few months ago, uh, you know, I'm sitting alone, just me and the Lord in my Bible. And uh, the Lord just brought to my attention, like, wait a minute. Did he really ask God to do that? <laughs> did he really just ask God to do that? Really? I don't know if I would be courageous enough to pray that prayer. And uh, next thing you know, uh, the words just kind of enter my mind, man, and the fingers hit the keyboard. And next thing you know, it's a, it's a whole blog article 
about it. And I titled it the most dangerous prayer a Christian can pray uh, because the, the overarching point I make in the blog article is that you can't pray that prayer and not mean it. Right. Okay. You can't because God knows our heart already. So you can't pretend with God and ask him to examine you and test your mind and heart and not mean it. So if you're going to pray that prayer, like David prayed in Psalm 26, be sure you're ready for God to answer that prayer Mm -hmm. because he will answer it. He will show you exactly who you are. And thinking of that, I think about, uh, I think it's in Luke chapter three or Luke chapter five, where uh, Peter first encounters Jesus on the boat, where Jesus performs the miracle of overloading Peter's fishnet, fishnets with so much fish. And it's amazing that Peter's response to that wasn't as a prosperity gospel fisherman. Right. Oh, you're, Oh Lord, I'm so blessed. You know what, you know, I'm so favored. I'm so highly favored. Like they always say all the time. Right. No. What did he say? He said, he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Mm-hmm. I'm a, now, why? Why would Peter be moved to fall to his knees and confess his sin at, 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 at this miracle that just occurred in his presence in real time after he was unable to catch anything? God overwhelmed him with fish, with this blessing. Why was he moved? to fall on his knees and confess his sinfulness as opposed to praising God for showing him so much favor, mm-hmm. you see. But I saw, so I'm trying to connect this back to Psalm 26 in that f- for the, for the professing believer, we have to take our sins seriously. Right. We have to take our, cause we use this phrase, right? So flippantly, my relationship with Christ, right, my relationship right. with Christ. Right. We use it so flippantly and loosely. Well, I challenge anyone listening right now to consider your relationship with Jesus in light of Psalm 26, too. Do you have the courage to, to pray that prayer? Mm. To ask God to examine me, O oh Lord, and try me, test my mind and heart. So if you haven't been to the blog, go out to justthinking.me, justthinking.me. Like I said, I wrote this blog a few months ago. So what you're going to have to do is pull down the search icon in the upper right hand corner and just type the most dangerous and then the blog will come up click on it read it share it with others but verge you're not the first one man to tell me and i give all glory to god uh for this that that they've been convicted by reading that uh that blog article and just just a heads up man you had no idea i was i just mainly for our listeners i know you know this you had no idea i was going there we hadn't even talked about those things at all in the in the in the lead up and so uh just two things man i just want our listeners to know about and be blessed by with regard to uh some of the, some of the things that that uh, that daryl's got posted up on on his page and some of the things that are happening uh for our for our folks and so uh good stuff man i, I know we got a lot to run through tonight and so uh man what's what, what's on your heart and mind tonight man where, where are we where are we going to go well, tonight? before we get rolling man let me put out a disclaimer uh for our listeners that Due to the subject matter that we're going to be discussing in this episode, parental is is advised, okay? Parental discretion is advised. So if you have any young ones around right now, you may want to either escort them to another area while you're listening, or maybe you want to 
throw on some earbuds or some headphones or maybe delay listening to this episode until you have an opportunity to do so when when you're out of their presence. But this is uh, definitely a mature subject matter that we'll be talking about um, in this episode. Uh, and then secondly, Verge, I want to mention, just hit back on the blog one second. Um, the Lord's really been, uh, um, wow, he's just really inspired me to do a lot of writing here over the past couple of weeks. So there's like four new blog articles that are up uh, on the site. So if you go out to justthinking.me, uh, there's a piece I recently wrote called What If I Stumble? That's a piece about forgiveness. Uh, there's also a body of one um, that's uh, uh, basically talking about how we as uh, a body of believers are to uh, uh, unite with one another, love on one another, and build each other up. Um, all right, Verge, with that said, let's go ahead and dive into this episode's topic. I think this is episode 39, right? That's it, man. Episode three nine, and we're gonna be talking about the Revoice Conference. <laughs> I almost want to go re 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 voice 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 voice. <laughs> Revoice Conference. Revoice yeah. Conference twenty eighteen yeah. uh, was held last week in St. Louis. Yep. I do not know what church it was held at, but uh, they titled it Revoice twenty eighteen. Do you know Omaha? This is the. Have there been predecessor versions of this, or is this the first? This is the it, first. This is the first of its kind, and uh, you know there there've been there've been other other conferences around this issue, but not from the not from a standpoint of trying to trying to again the, the claim is from the folks who put this on. Uh, the idea is uh, the embrace of LGBT flourishing. Uh, with an eye toward a traditional, uh, a, a historical traditional view of of, of the Christian, you know, the, of the Christian uh, worldview uh, regarding the issue of same-sex uh, marriage, uh, you know, same-sex attraction uh, and homosexuality. So, yeah. So um, this isn't the first time we're 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 sort of broaching this topic by request, mm-hmm. uh, and that happens to us a lot. Uh, we get a lot of requests from listeners asking us to take on a certain issue or a certain topic. So uh, myself, I wasn't personally inclined to take on this, 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 uh, this topic of the revoice conference, but you know, we got enough inquiries about it that folks were asking us to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and talk about it. Uh, so that's what we're doing here uh, today. So revoice uh, you can, um, get to their website at revoice.us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a very ro- robust website, very well done, very professional uh, website. But the event itself was held last week, July 26th through the 28th mm-hmm. in St. Louis. And the, uh, the tag, the tagline here, I, I want to call the tagline a mission statement. Uh, I'm reading directly from the revoice website. It says revoice 2018 Supporting, encouraging, and empowering gay, lesbian, same-sex attracted, and other LGBT Christians so they can flourish while observing the historic Christian doctrine of marriage and sexuality. Mm -hmm. So uh, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call that the Revoice 2018 mission statement. Now, underneath that mission statement falls what I'm going to call three pillars 
as they've identified. Okay. Three pillars that Revoice has identified. One is new community. Okay. New community. Under that, I quote, gather together with other gender and sexual minorities and those who love them and experience a new kind of gospel community. Now, Virgil, I'm going to read these three and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to critique each one of them individually. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. So that's, that's pillar number one, new community gathered together with other gender and sexual minorities and those who love them and experience a new kind of gospel community. Okay. That's pillar number one, new community. Pillar number two is better conversation, better conversation. Quote, listen to, learn from, and participate in conversations with speakers who bring a nuanced perspective to the table of discussion. Okay, so that's better conversation. Listen to, learn from, and participate in conversations with speakers who bring a nuanced perspective to the table of discussion. And then the third pillar is diverse collective. Okay, diverse collective. Quote, Benefit from curated presentations on a wide variety of topics related to LGBT experience and the historic Christian sexual ethic. Okay, that's three. That's diverse collective benefit from curated presentations on a wide variety of topics related to LGBT experience and the historic Christian sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. All right, Omaha. So let's go back to the top. The three pillars. Number one, new community. Mm-hmm. Gather together with other gender and sexual minorities and those who love them and experience a new kind of gospel community. Now, what I find problematic about that verbiage, about that language, is that in order to experience a new kind of gospel community, you must introduce a new kind of gospel. Mm. You can't experience the new kind of quote unquote gospel community that they're alluding to without introducing a new kind of gospel. Now, my question to the folks at Revoice is this, why is a new kind of gospel community even necessary when you have texts such as 1 Thessalonians 5.11? Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. There's 1 Peter 3 verses 8 through 9a. To sum up, All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. And in a third text, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, having read those three texts, all of which have to do with gospel community, Uh to use revoice words, why is there a need for a new kind of community? I don't understand that. Yeah. Fundamentally. Okay. So, so, so what new kind of gospel community could be better than the community that I already alluded to here in the three texts that I just read right. in first Thessalonians five, first Peter three and Ephesians chapter four. Right. Okay. 
So moving on to the second pillar, better conversation. Again, listen to, learn from, and participate in conversations with speakers who bring a nuanced perspective to the table of discussion. Now, my problem with this verbiage is that the phrase nuanced perspective Uh to me seems to be just a fancy and pithy way of saying a different interpretation of what the gospel already says about this issue. See, and we're going to talk about this later on. There's certain buzzwords here that you need to be aware of and not gloss over words like community and nuanced. So we see here in this second pillar titled better conversation, the phrase nuanced perspective. Okay. Bringing a nuanced perspective to the table of discussion. And as far as I'm concerned, that's just code for saying, well, we've got a different interpretation on what the gospel says about this this issue and what the church has traditionally taught and adhered to on this issue of homosexuality, LGBTQ, whatever you want to call it. So on that note, you know, consider Psalm 119 verse 89 that says forever, your O Lord, your word is settled in heaven forever. O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119 verse 160. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Mm-hmm. Okay, consider Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Mm-hmm. So, again, given what scripture has already said about the permanence of God's word. Why is a nuanced perspective necessary? Right. Here. Okay. Thirdly, the third pillar, diverse collective. Diverse collective. Benefit from curated presentations on a wide variety of topics related to LGBT experience and the historic Christian sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say again here, Verge, listen, Christians, you have got to be careful. You have got to be on the alert for these little code words, these little buzzwords that they slip, that, that, that movements like this slip in that seem innocuous on the surface, seem harmless, but in fact are not. They are not harmless. First of all, I don't even know what is meant by curated presentations. Okay, so when they say here in the third pillar, diverse collective, benefit from curated presentations Uh on a wide variety of topics related to LGBT experience. I don't even know what they mean by now. Of course, I know what they mean. Curate the words curated and presentations being separately, but together, what are they talking about here? I really don't know. So that's, first of all, I have no idea what they mean when they say curated presentations, Uh but as far as the phrase historic Christian sexual ethic, Uh Don't miss that. See, that's one of those speed bumps that you might trip over. I'm going to change the wording there because what we really need to be talking about is the historic biblical sexual ethic. Right. The historical biblical sexual ethic. That ethic takes us back to Genesis chapter four. When you talk, when you, when you look at this issue from the phraseology that they use, the historic Christian sexual ethic, well, the historic Christian sexual ethic 
is based in the historic Old Testament sexual ethic, mm-hmm. which takes us back not to the New Testament, but the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 1. So Genesis 4, verse 1. Here is the Christian sexual ethic in the Old Testament, derived from the Old Testament. Genesis 4, 1. Now the man Adam, the man who was Adam, had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived. That is the historical, biblical, sexual ethic. A two-pronged ethic, right, Omaha? Number one, between a heterosexual man and a heterosexual woman. Prong number two, that that heterosexual man and that heterosexual woman are married. Okay? Adam and Eve were married before they ever came together sexually. Okay. So everywhere in scripture, everywhere in scripture where there is reference to the biblical sexual ethic, wherever you see the word man, husband, woman, wife, it is speaking in terms of a heterosexual man and woman, a heterosexual male husband, a heterosexual female wife. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, okay. I mean, consider this. Consider the the discourse between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four. When Jesus asks the woman, "Where is your husband?" He's not referring to a woman in a same sex marriage relationship. That was understood, right? When Jesus asks this woman, "Where is your husband?" And then he calls her out and says, with the reality that he's aware that she's had five husbands. When he says the word husbands, he's talking about heterosexual male. Mm-hmm. Okay, not same sex female who call each other husband and wife or wife and wife, right. whatever the case may be. Right. Okay, so. And sort of just just trying to digest revoice and the rationale that they're trying to sell us on. A fundamental question I have for those who may identify as LGBTQ Christian, mm-hmm. which I personally consider an oxymoronic uh, adjective. Which is really what's at issue. Right. Mm-hmm. A fundamental question I have is this, is why... If you identify as an LGBTQ Christian, why are you Christian to begin with? Why are you a Christian to begin with? I mean, if community is what you're after, Islam offers that. Hinduism offers that. Buddhism, Kabbalah, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness offers that. If community, if if nuanced perspective on experience is what you want. All those other religious worldviews offer that. Right. But see, the question I pose there is somewhat rhetorical because what we have to do in asking the question, and I would ask this of anyone who professes to be a Christian, Mm -hmm. but given the context of the conversation we're having tonight, I'm directing this question at those who may identify as LGBTQ Christians. Why are you a Christian? Why are you not a Muslim? Why are you not a Hindu? Why are you not a Buddhist? Well, I think to answer that question, Verge, we need to go all the way back 
to the beginning. And in this case, that beginning is going to be Matthew chapter 1. So let's turn there to Matthew chapter 1. And then for the sake of our new listeners, as we're turning to that text, um, you're going to hear some pages turning and, and things of that nature. But just so you all know, none of these episodes are scripted. Okay, so Virgil has no idea where I'm taking this conversation tonight. And likewise, I have no idea what input he's going to offer. Okay, so this, we're just rolling with it, kind of freestyle, but in a way not so freestyle. Um, Matthew 1, okay, Matthew 1, verse 21. The question is this, why is an LGBTQ Christian a Christian and not something else? Okay. Matthew 121. This is the account where the angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph. And he says this in verse 21 of Matthew chapter one. Talking about Mary, his betrothed. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Or he will what Omaha? Save his people. He will save his people from what? Their sins. Their sins. Uh Their sins. Jesus came to save his elect from their sins. So the LGBTQ Christian, and I use that phrase for the sake of the conversation we're having, is in the same position as a heterosexual Christian because they, they identify, they recognize God has made them aware of their innate sinfulness and that their sinfulness makes them subject to the wrath of a holy and righteous God, and that their own righteousness cannot measure up to the level to satiate the wrath of that God, and that Christ came as that propitiatory substitute to atone, to make payment of the debt that we and they could not pay in and of themselves. So fundamental to an LGBTQ Christian identifying as a Christian is the fact that they need to be delivered from their sin. Right. So is this making sense where I'm going with this? No, uh, Omaha? It, it, it absolutely makes, makes sense. And I, and I think really you, you've kind of hit the, hit the, hit the nail on the head with regard to the issue. I mean, I, I listened to, you know, almost all of the all of the presentations that they that they provided access to i mean they they've really tried to kind of cover this uh, you know under under the cloud of of darkness i mean they had a ton of speakers and presenters um i, I could only find two you know two of the presentations two of their their main general presentations that were uh, available and a handful of the of those who were speaking and and while they tried to hold to you know the biblical framework to of of biblical sexuality, the, the at, at issue, while they kept making the claim that they would die to self, I think there were two major issues. The, the biggest issue was the the presupposition that they were victims, right? They were victims of a of a church culture that had subjugated them, right? That had that had that had done them wrong, um, and and that that was that was the story over and over and over again. Yeah, and if I could interject here real quick, Verge, normally I don't name names, but I'm going to name name here. Okay. Because because I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Because you, you sent me links to those presentations, and I watched both of them. Uh, Ray Lowe. Okay. Ray Lowe is, is, is wow. 
Mm. I mean, victim is an understatement. Mm. Um, and I have some quotes from him mm-hmm. uh, on that note. You know, he says, I did everything formulaically. I did everything formulaically right to become the perfect candidate. This is when he's coming out of uh, seminary. He's got his MDiv. He's applying for pastoral uh, jobs. He says, I did everything formulaically right to become the perfect candidate. No matter how much I had sacrificed, no matter how much I'd laid down my life to get to this point, it was still not enough. He made a point to let everyone know that he finished his MDiv in two years. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just continued to emphasize that he he did everything the right way. Uh, so continuing to quote him, he says, the one thing I couldn't change about myself became the very thing that disqualified me in their eyes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he did play the victim. Yep, played played the, play the victim. His entire, sec- his entire presentation was as a victim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second the second thing, the second thing that that they did that that was problematic was. The, the the ultimate thing for them was their desire, while they made the claim that they were dying to self, their desire to hold on to the label yep. mm-hmm. of LGBT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, yep. they were not willing, that, that was the one thing they were not willing to, to crucify. That was the one thing that, 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 that they were not, they, they wanted to proudly wave the banner of same-sex attraction and their and their LGBT status, uh, th- though though they weren't acting upon that sin, though they weren't though they were subjugating that sin, they still wanted to wave that banner, and they felt that there were some redeeming qualities in that community that could be on display. Um, and, and there's nothing redeeming about 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 the LGBT community for a believer uh, to, to, to have on display. And, and I mean, there, there's not a biblical case for that whatsoever. And so I, I think those, those, I mean, that's, that's what's at issue. And, and you know, they, they're trying to redeem and hold on to that. And, and that's, that's what's problematic. In fact, I'll read one, one quote briefly by one of the presenters mm-hmm. by the name of Grant Hardley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the the name the the word sexual minority bothered me as well. Oh yeah, see see that there's so many cold words and buzzwords <laughs> being tossed around in the vernacular that they use. If you're not astute enough to catch it, mm-hmm. it'll sink in, and next thing you know, you're adopting it and you're having pity on them as Absolutely. victims and things. But we have to be astute enough to dissect and almost exegete. Absolutely. The, the, the statements and comments that they make. Go ahead, Virg. It says, quote, for the sexual minority seeking to submit his or her, his or her life fully to Christ and to the historic Christian sexual ethic, queer culture presents a bit of a dilemma. Rather than combing through and analyzing to find parts, parts uh, that are to be rejected uh, or, or to be redeemed or to be received with joy, Christians have often discarded the virtues of queer culture along with the vices, which leaves culturally connected Christian uh, sexual minorities torn between two cultures, two histories, two communities. So, So questions that have until now been largely unanswered remain. What does queer culture and specifically queer literature and theory have to offer us who follow Christ? And, and uh, what queer treasure, honor, and glory will be brought into the New Jerusalem at the end of time? Wow. End quote. And I'm thinking, somebody has lost their mind. Man. 
Yeah, I mean, somebody somebody's lost their mind. I, I'm sitting here literally shaking my head at that. <laughs> I'm literally shaking my head at that. But you see, you see, you see what's happening here, though, Omaha. Absolutely. What's what's happening here is that through platforms like Revoice, those who claim to be quote LGBTQ Christian unquote in much the same way as those who consider themselves to be on the front lines of the Christian social justice movement, what they're doing here is they're inculcating into scripture extra biblical sociocultural language toward the goal of changing the essential meaning and purpose of the gospel. Absolutely. That's what they're doing. They want to change the definition of gospel. Mm-hmm. You see, and what I found interesting is that they call it revoice. Re, 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 voice, voice, voice. <laughs> they call it revoice. But in order for there to be a revoice, there must first be a pre voice. Anything that's re must have a pre. You can't have a revoice without a pre voice. Right. And, see, and that pre-voice is the word of God. Absolutely. That's what I want to go now. I want to go to pre-voice. Mm-hmm. Okay. We talked about re-voice. Let me go to pre-voice. First John 3, 9. First John chapter 3, verse 9. No one, I'm quoting here. This is not the gospel of Daryl. This is first John chapter 3, verse 9. Mm-hmm. Quote. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, that is God's seed, that is the Holy Spirit, abides in him. And he cannot sin. That is, he cannot practice sin because he is born of God. And let me read that text all the way through. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now the question becomes, well, what does it mean to be born of God? Well, we have that explained to us in John, the gospel of John, not the epistle of first John in the gospel of John chapter one, verses 12 and 13. I'll read that. Always reading from the NESB. John chapter one, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me pause right there. I have had to cite this verse thousands of times because we hear all the time, right, Verge? Well, we're all children of God. Well, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're all creations of God, but we're not all his children. And John 1.12 makes that abundantly clear. But verse 12 again, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh. Now that's every person who's ever been created. Mm-hmm. That's every person who's ever been conceived is a creation of God. But that's not who God is talking about here in the Gospel of John as who are his children. Okay, so he says not those who were born of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, but of God. So when John in first John talks about no one who is born of God practices sin, 
the phrase born of God refers back to John chapter one in verse 13, those who were born. He's talking about the new birth, those who have been born again. So no one who's been born again practices sin. No one. Look at John, first stand in first John, look at chapter five, verse 18. John writes this. We know that no one, there's that phrase again, and, and, and no one means no one. Okay. We know that no one who is born of God sins. That means habitually as a lifestyle. But he who was born of God keeps him. That is Christ. The Holy Spirit keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. That the evil one does not touch him really correlates back to the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, where uh, Jesus is teaching us to pray. And he says to the father to deliver them from the evil. Okay. So the evil one does not touch him. John says in first John five, verse 18, the point here is this, is that what we have here is a movement in revoice that is propagating what I call loophole theology. Mm -hmm. They're looking for a loophole to your point, Omaha, that they do not want to let go of that LGBTQ adjective. They don't want to let that go. And the culture that goes along with it. And the culture that goes along with it. But what does Paul tell us in Ephesians 4? Paul tells us here in Ephesians 4. I want to start at verse 20. He says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, with, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and put on the new self. Okay, so here we, this, is the, this is that famous put off, put on text. You can't put on and hang on. <laughs> okay. You can't put on or profess to have put on and then still hang on to the old self. You can't do that. So the problem with revoice, as I see it, you see, is that no one wants to admit that the lifestyle to which its supporters refer to by an ever-expanding collection of alphabets is actually sinful. Nobody wants to acknowledge that. They do not want to acknowledge that. That's why we're having this conversation now. And and you know, I've I've again, whenever this topic of gay Christian and, and there is no such thing as gay Christian. I I said it. Right. There is no such thing as gay Christian. That is an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. But it it boggles my mind though whenever this comes up. Why is it that homosexuality is the only sin that's right. no longer a sin? Right, 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 it, right. It's it's the one it's the one hyphenated version of Christianity that everybody wants to embrace as a right. lifestyle rather than a sin. Rather than a sin. This yeah. is, listen, homosexuality is the only sin that gets an asterisk next right. to it. Right. Well, we get conferences like Revoice to talk about how to engage in community and conversations 
and discussions. Um, I don't see, I mean, like, where's the, where's the revoice for adulterous conference? Right. right. Okay. Where's, where's the revoice for liars? Pedophiles. You know, pedophiles. Where's the, where's the revoice for sexual abusers? Pornographers. Right. I mean, we could go on and on. We could go on and on, but that's what Revoice is doing. No one wants to admit that the lifestyle that they are advocating and and ask, asking others to embrace, they don't want to acknowledge that it's sin. Can, can, can you can you imagine someone saying, you know, there, there there's <laughs> there's some redeeming qualities about pornographic culture that we want to bring into the New Jerusalem? Well, you 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 know, listen, you they haven't that. said. They haven't said that verbatim, but you already know, verse that they're already trying. There are already people out there trying to make that normative now. Right, right. They're trying to make that normative. I I, I thought this was interesting on on a couple of accounts, man. Uh, one, you know, and and we we talked about it at, at the tee up of, of of our conversation here. Two reasons. One is Revoice is being is you know kind of been sponsored by the PCA, mm-hmm. um, and and you know Presbyterian, you know. I mean, the PCA, uh, Presbyterian Church of America, one of the more conservative, you know, wings of the of the Presbyterian denomination, and 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 unfortunately, uh, there's you know some who are coming out of the SBC. The guy, yep, uh, yep. Uh, Nate Collins, yep, Nate Collins, yep, uh, yeah, he comes out of the SBC. He's he's trained at, at Southern Seminary and, uh, and and the like. And so, I mean, th- these guys aren't these guys are are not short on theology, right? They 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 They've, uh, you know, they, they've got, they've checked their, 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 uh, their theological bona fides, so to speak, and uh, they, they're dotting their I's and crossing their T's, and apparently they've scrubbed their website of, of some of the more offensive stuff that initially was on it um, in, in an effort to kind of, kind of maybe have a, have a certain face toward the culture that was, a, that was a little bit less offensive. And again, it's difficult to find any of the um, kind of breakout sessions and some of the other things that were actually actually there and it's 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 tough to find the other thing is is um i think it's important for our for our folks to a know how to be equipped uh how to how to effectively address these kinds of issues and and again we talked about it kind of at the outset this this isn't far from home for me you know yeah. uh, this is this is an issue with regard to homosexuality man this is this is my you know this is my history i i, I was sharing with you as we kind of teed this up you know, my brother uh, uh, passed away a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, was was uh, uh, passed away due to complications uh, to AIDS, um, and and I and again, I, I think something we talked about was I I don't want to give the impression that everyone who's homosexual uh, is 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 connected to you know to AIDS or is HIV positive. Uh, but my brother struggled with that all of, struggled with homosexuality and his sexuality all of his life. Uh, so none of this is foreign, uh, foreign to to me. Uh, you know, this is something that, that that I dealt with all growing up, uh, seeing a brother who who wrestled with this, struggled with this. There's a there's a presupposition on the part of those who were part of this revoice, and and I think they were part of the LGBT community that that they that Christians are insensitive to those issues or can't relate or or are antagonistic. And the reality is. A lot of us have family members who who deal with this and struggle with this and, mm-hmm. and operate in this. And, and and the reality is it doesn't change the standard of God's word on the issue. I love my brother. Right. I, right. I, I 
I, you know, I, I was there at the funeral. I performed mm-hmm. his funeral. It broke my heart, mm-hmm. but it didn't change. It didn't right. change the gospel. It didn't change the, the proclamation of truth. It didn't change the word of God on the issue. And, and, and I, I thank God that he did eventually hear the gospel and did eventually turn and repent of his sins and place his faith in Christ toward the end. But uh, it didn't change any of that, and it mm-hmm. doesn't change it now. So Right, yeah. right. And, uh, I, I, man, I, I tell you, that really blesses my heart to hear you say that verse, not just the story about your brother, but towards the end, I want to reinforce to everyone and echo what you just said. We love these folks, folks at Revoice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love every last one of them. Um, But as Paul said in Ephesians 4.15, every Christian is obligated to speak the truth in love. And in that order, and in that order, um, as many of our listeners already know, Verge, you and I have never met in person. We've never okay. met. This This is our 39th episode of the Just Thinking broadcast, and we've never met in person. And only only before we started recording this episode, literally, folks, only before we started recording this episode did I learn that Virgil had a brother who died of complications of HIV AIDS. Uh-huh. And only then did he learn that I had a brother who died of complications of HIV AIDS. Um, I watched first, much like you, I watched that disease eat my brother from the inside out. Wow. If you can, uh, my experience with my brother was that it looks a lot like what cancer does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what terminal cancer does. Imagine you have a, a robust, uh, grape. Or a robust peach that's ripe, round, full. But then as the months go on, it just shrivels. It just shrivels up. That was the imagery that I last had of my brother before he passed away. Yeah. Before he died. Um, so, yeah. So this this subject hits home to me as well. My brother was saved. He knew the Lord. So I know that I'm going to see him in heaven again one day. And I want to see all of these uh, supporters of Revoice in heaven someday. But the truth is this. As we read earlier, God's word is settled in heaven. Come on, man. Come on, man. That means his word is fixed. Yeah. No matter how we try to change it. Right. God's word is unchangeable because his nature is unchangeable. There are still the principle of reaping and sowing is alive and well, is alive and well. And it applies to every single precept and command in the scripture. Right. And homosexuality is identified by God as a sin, not by Daryl. Right. So, if you're listening to this episode and you find it offensive in some way, I'm not going to apologize for that. This is not Daryl's gospel. This is not Daryl's gospel. This is the gospel of God. And this is a principle that he has laid out from the foundation of the world. And, and, you know, I cannot apologize for that. Right. Um, and, and, and nobody at the end of the day, no, no one benefits from from raising a banner of, of, of a label uh, that that you're beholden to that you put in front of the word Christian. Right. You know, 
Right. No, no, no one's helped by that. No, 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 nobody's helped by that because listen, when it, when it comes time for you to die and you take your last breath, trust me, when you take that last breath and you are instantaneously in the presence of the Lord, he's not going to care what prefix you had. He's not going to care what adjective you went by. Okay. In the scripture, there's only two labels. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. You're either saved or you're unsaved. You're either going to heaven or hell. You either know the Lord or you don't. Okay? Those are the only two labels. Take your pick. Okay? But what it's going to come down to is what is, is the question, the rhetorical question that Christ himself asks in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. And do not do what I say. Man. See, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're a Christian, you just can't. God has established his boundaries. And one of those boundaries is that homosexuality is a sin. Now, listener, you can either accept that or not. You are not accountable to me no. in this regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. As You're we, accountable. Go ahead, Verge. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, man, as we as we wind this as we wind this up, man. Any 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 last words or thoughts, man? As we as we kind of kind of put a bow on this for 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 our listeners for this night. Yeah. So, Verge, I want to close out with uh, a reminder from our Lord in Matthew chapter seven, verses thirteen and fourteen. I think this is an appropriate way to close out this episode on this topic. Matthew chapter seven, verses thirteen and fourteen. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Absolutely. And join us next time on the Just Thinking Broadcast.